guess what I did today? All you listeners out there. <laughs> I was trying to come up with something hilarious. <laughs> What'd you do? I planted my first potato bed. Oh, in the new garden? Yes. It's a lot of hard work. As I sat down just a minute ago, I was like, oh, my shoulders are going to be feeling that tomorrow. <laughs> I remember I would go water skiing as a kid. And water skiing was not something that I would do very often. I loved doing it. But maybe once a year and probably more like once every two years, a friend who has a boat, finally get an invite. Mm -hmm. And after the water skiing, which is so much fun, mm -hmm. the next day, muscles that you didn't know you had hurt. <laughs> yeah, that's um, kind of the case. I'm pretty active though. You know, I, I do yoga once a week at First United Methodist Church. I'm really enjoying that. We do Qigong in the morning. Mm-hmm. I do gardening every day. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm a very active person, but yeah, when you, when I get into like the deep digging and the deep moving of dirt and I get out there, you know, I'm, I use the tractor for what I need to use the tractor for. My dad drives the tractor, by the way, I don't do that work. But when it comes to actually building the beds, I hand build my beds and I do get help. You know, Tommy, when she's around, she helps me out and um, whenever anybody else is out here that wants to help out and get a little exercise. But I have learned as I've aged and as I've done this for a long time now, how to not overdo it, how to not do things to your body that your body is going to be mad at you about. The garden is many things for you. This I know. Mm -hmm. One of them is a gymnasium. Oh, yeah. The garden is a place of healing, no doubt for me. We are doing Monday at the farm. That's open regularly, gardening in the morning. And then we have a lunch hour, and then we follow that up with the kind of a meditative and then some course study uh, work after lunch. And then we follow that up in the afternoon with some more gardening. But it's garden healing time, so it's a chance to really talk and just um, have a little bit of gardening experience. And that's open to everybody. And if you have any questions or you want to just double-check the timing of things and let me know what time you're going to come out, please just send me a DM. I do open up and have some lunch. And we put out some things. We've been doing some things over the last couple of weeks. We'll about talk about that. one of those lunches here in just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Come out and join us at the farm as I start to get eggs back available. And as I start to get my produce back available and have the overflow of abundance and all of my preserves and all of that stuff start to come out again, the store, the farm store will be well stocked. It's funny you mention eggs because eggs are on everybody's mind. Mm -hmm. I had to ask you the other day, how much are eggs at the grocery <laughs> store? Because you and I have not bought grocery store eggs in five years. Yeah. There have been times this time of year mm -hmm. where we have to supplement our yeah. chicken eggs at the farmer's market. Yeah, with local and farmers. And I can tell you how much a dozen eggs at the farmer's market were a year ago. Is it six or five? Both. Yeah. Different vendors, different prices. Yeah. But our eggs are amazing. They're like beautiful. Oh, yeah. Blues and greens and all these pretty colors, mm -hmm. plus they're well-fed animals, plus they're humanely raised, plus they're raised on farms of people that we love in our local region. But as the admin of a local backyard chicken group, and as someone who has given talks about how to get started, you, you get a lot of questions. We get a lot of questions. And I got, I probably got like 10 phone calls from yeah. people about, do you have eggs? And I'm like... This is where I remind you that if I don't know you need things before there's a stress at the grocery store, then I don't have things for people. All of my eggs will be going to the customers that are already working with me, talking to me, reaching out to me on a regular basis, letting me know that they need the things that I have. That's a reminder to anybody that hasn't begun creating a network yep. of local food. Yeah. That now's the time to do it for these exact reasons that we've talked about over the course of the last three years. Because when it comes time, 
and it comes time. You're at the bottom of the list as That's a brand right. new customer. That's right. And it's not because we're trying to be mean. And I'm going to say this over and over yeah, it's again. Customer service 101. It's just, it's supply and demand. And if you think about even at the farmer's market, if a farmer scales up to meet the need and then you don't come to purchase the product, they have to throw away that product. They don't throw it away in the trash can. They're going to feed it to their animals or they're going to do other things with it. They're going to try to find places for it to go. However, they're not going to continue scaling up anymore. And this is going to include your meats, breads, cheeses, eggs, vegetables, all of the things. If you don't go regularly to purchase those things there or make the connections with any of the small local farmers in your area, they don't know what you need. They're going to get kind of discouraged. Mm -hmm. Some of them are even closing down businesses because it's just not working. But then you need them. And you start calling, making all these phone calls, and they're like, mm, no, I don't have anything for you because I've already sold everything I have. So, of course, we've been reached out to regularly, and we did get reached out to specifically about some conversations that are coming up about why eggs are in low production. Well, anytime there's a shortage or anytime there's a reason to create wild theories, wild the Twitterverse theories. is going to do that kind yes. of thing. And then that leaks into other social media. Yep. And here we are. Eggs are doubling in price, I guess, at the grocery store over the course of the last, I don't know, 12, 18 months, mm -hmm. slowly. But now here is a spike. Well, what is the reason? There must be a reason. But you and I at home are like, it's January. Right. Egg laying is a function of the daylight hours. Right. When the daylight hours are as low as they are at this time of year, their egg production drops. It happens every year. In addition to that, when they are in, and we've talked about some of these things, when there are any kind of stress going on, when there's any kind of hormonal changes going on, a big shift in the weather so our chickens are kind of tropical chickens down here because it's mostly warm. Mm -hmm. It's not, doesn't get super cold. Well, we've had some big cold fronts and some big things that have come through this year. All of these things will slow down chicken egg production. That doesn't explain why the general industry sure. is having the issues that it is having. That are working around daylight hours with all kinds of Lights techniques. Lights and technology and all kinds of things like that. Hormones. One of the reasons I've heard that that has occurred, I do believe, and that is because there is a decrease in phosphorus available to agriculture right now which means that the grain is not producing as high as it normally does. Just like in supply and demand with your local farmers, you get into supply and demand issues with your large-scale farmers as well. So the things that get the most priority, whatever we've decided as an agricultural like ruling economy is the most valuable use of phosphorus for grain or whatever we're using it for, those are the farmers that are going to get it first. And then everybody else further down the list doesn't get it. So my guess is probably the beef farmers got the grain before the egg farmers got the grain, mm -hmm. things like that. Now, part of the issue that I understand for the reason for some of the phosphorus decrease has to do with China has done more shutdowns. Some of their products we're not receiving, mm -hmm. right? We can go into a very long with all kinds of conspiracy reasons of different political reasons as to why we're not getting what we need and why are we getting it from them to begin with and all the, 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 the what, but it doesn't matter because that's distribution and that's America. And all of the shortages that have occurred during and post COVID are all about global economics and global yep. supply chain. Yep. So of course, everything that we buy mm -hmm is going to be affected. There was a thing floated, I guess you brought it to my attention, about the feed 
is being changed. Right. And that sounds very conspiracy theory to me. Yeah. I can only say anecdotally that that's not what's happening with our eggs and our right. chickens. No. And the, the, the interesting thing about that where you can say, okay, well, that's just daylight hours. That's just the time of year that it is because it's winter in the United States everywhere you go. Everyone in the United States has shorter daylight hours. So this particular thing is happening all over the United States, right? Still mm -hmm. winter, no matter where you go. <laughs> Even if it's a warm winter or super, super cold winter, it's still winter, no matter where you go. Still, we're in the equinox we're in. Exactly. So when they were talking about this kind of conspiracy idea that it's the feed and why are your egg counts down in your backyard chickens and all that kind of stuff, it was very easy to say, well, that's normal. And in fact, I, I found it really fascinating that even on our backyard chicken coop conversation there on Facebook, that group, that people were saying, oh, yeah. I mean, it was like people were buying into this, except that underneath that, if you'd look at the comments, it was other people were like, guys, this is what happens all the time this time of year. Right. Maybe because your chickens are struggling through the winter a little bit, you need to increase the amount of oyster shell they're getting. And you need to make sure, like we do, you need to make sure they're getting... You scratch. Know, good scratch. Make sure they're staying warm and healthy. It's winter. I also am going to suggest that COVID did increase the number of new chicken farmers. I'm just saying new chicken owners haven't been through a year or two or three to see the downturn. So this collective larger group of people is saying something's happening. No, everyone calm down. Yes. I bet you're seeing an increase right now. I know that we are. I did post up some information where... CNN had said the USDA and the CDC were saying, beware of chickens. You're getting yeah, chickens that. in your backyard. And so like this scare tactic, yeah, it, oh, I, that makes me mad in hell. I saw the same article separately from you, the headline reading something like, with egg price increases, many turning to their first backyard flocks, but beware of the dangers. Devil is upon us. Anecdotally, I cannot support that. Yeah. And... I'm no conspiracy theorist, but there are reasons why powers that be are promoting that kind of scare tactic. And for me, the answer is always the economics behind it. Mm -hmm. Lobby organizations that don't want us to take growing our food into our own hands because they like it when we go to the grocery store. That's where they make their money. I loved best what the woman said, where she said that if the USDA is talking against it and the CDC is talking against it, then we're doing it. <laughs> Funny. By well, guess way. what I did today? I don't know. Does it have something to do with that black scuff on your forehead? It does. Is it still there? <laughs> it's the bald man problems. I'm headed to my <laughs> second therapist appointment. And uh -huh. Asa and I got to be honest with you, I'm really looking forward to it mm -hmm. because I told you last week that my first appointment was hijacked by a very specific issue. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to get into the dirt. We're going to lay the foundations down for some real work that I know I need to do. I'm on the main freeway of our town when I hear a weird noise. And then... And I was talking to my aunt on the phone. I said, oh my God, I think I have a flat tire. <laughs> Had a flat tire. And I don't know why... I take that back. I do know why. It's cheaper. The kits that you get to change a flat tire in a new vehicle are kind of lame. Mm -hmm. And I know how to change a flat tire. But with the tools I had at hand, I couldn't get it done and get to my appointment. I was really frustrated about that. So I called her up. She's fantastic. I mean, I like her even more now in this adversity. We rescheduled it. Mm -hmm. And I'll have to dive in, you know, next time. 
You'll have to dive in on another day. You know, I honestly believe that every single thing that occurs happens exactly for the reason that we don't even know why. We don't know why we didn't end up at that appointment. We don't know what we needed to learn from the thing that occurred that kept us from that appointment. You ready to get into this? I think so. Unanswered questions. You want to talk about sex? That's always a loaded question. <laughs> Last week, chicken sex came up. Uh-huh. So if you're driving in the car with your kids and <laughs> medical words bother you, fast forward a couple of minutes. How do chickens have sex? When you first lived out here mm-hmm. and I'd come visit you and you had how many chickens? A lot. I asked you that. 75 or something like that. I asked you that question. <laughs> they light a candle. That's right. <laughs> and there's some background music. Mm-hmm. And the male does the strip tease, by the way. He does the dance for them. The lady's over there going, you've got to be kidding me. There is, is a rooster the dance. dance. <laughs> there is a rooster dance. There is a rooster strut. <laughs> Roosters making love to hens. I'm reading from an article. Roosters making love to hens is part of the chicken's daily routine. This happens any time of the day, but usually in the early morning just after sunrise. And before sunset. I've noticed it's a, there's a lot of that going on at sunset, too. Studies show that the social structure in the chicken world is purely based on polygamy. In other words, our three roosters. So they have sister wives? Yeah, they can have sex with anybody that they want to. Mm. But unlike humans, they do not have a, get ready for it, penis oh. or testicles. Oh. They do have a body part that enables copulation, keeping it really highbrow here. <laughs> But it does not classify as a penis per se. Instead, it, this, their sexual organ is referred to as the papilla, and it's located inside the walls of the cloaca, mm-hmm. which is where in females the egg comes out, their, right. their rear end. Yeah. It's mostly covered in feathers, and it's basically just a tiny bump, nothing in comparison with what you know about what humans have. Now, you talked about the mating dance. Uh-huh. That's what it's called. It's an elaborate ritual that involves several steps. And hens will not mate with a rooster who does not pay attention to these steps. And that leads the males to spend hours perfecting their moves. <laughs> you know, the red flap that's on top of a chicken's head, that's called the comb. Uh-huh. And they use it to flap it around to show off and attract the hens. I have seen Colonel Parker and Elvis trying to perfect their rooster dance. And yeah. the older hens, the more like... The buffs, the big fat ladies, uh, they're like, uh, hell no. And they like kick them off of another hen or they'll like kick them off themselves. They'll even go to fighting with them. <laughs> like, now, um, no, Mm-mm. no, not you. <laughs> crowing. Crowing is about the roosters within a flock. We have three establishing dominance. Mm-hmm. And that's why Mr. Man, when he's alone outside, because mm-hmm. he's too like feeble to get up into the coop at night, mm-hmm. he sleeps under the coop. He's out by himself every morning crowing away. Mm-hmm. And I guess he's saying, when you guys get out of there, when human comes and gets you out of there, <laughs> get ready. <laughs> I'm giving it to you. They'll drop their wings to the side. They stretch out their necks and they use an orbit or circular movement around the uh, female's head by uh, like a stiff walk, a stiff gait. And it sometimes looks like toe touches in the air while clucking simultaneously. Now, the shy females will run away from these aggressive males, but excited hens will closely follow a male's dance. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Once done, roosters mount the hen from behind, hold her with his claws, 
grab them oftentimes with their beak by the back uh-huh. of their neck and then releases his seeds uh-huh. very quickly. Just those two areas touching quickly and boom, they're done. It takes what, two seconds, three seconds? Oh man, he can't even stay on long enough to make that happen. No, he, he just, just like falls, falls off, off like, a, <laughs> like, a, like someone on the back of a ski boat on an inner tube. Just, <laughs> he looks so good, you guys, though. He's real puffy and furry now. Hmm. You know, I was um, doing some stuff with my plants and learning a little bit more about flowers and reading this book and got re-reminded that the flowers have sexual organs, too. Basically, a flower isn't meant to, like, make us happy yeah. and to be beautiful and the scent of the flower and all that. It's all, all of that is reproductive. I'm reminded of Grease 2 and the song Reproduction. <laughs> the Muscovy Duck, our new friend, you named it this week. Ikari. Which is French for? Stray. They do not migrate. So he's come from somebody else's farm. He came from somewhere, mm-hmm. didn't spontaneously burst out of our pond. He just decided that we were a good farm. So he is a stray duck named Igari. He's a French-Canadian duck. <laughs> That's what I decided. <laughs> I'm just making it up as I go, but it, it entertains me. And then this can lead us directly into our autoimmune conversation this week. You asked me last week to kind of do a book report. Yes, my research friend. The first thing I looked up was give me a list of autoimmune disorders. Mm -hmm. Again, this is all new territory for me. I was expecting a list of, I don't know, 10, 15. I know celiacs on there, Graves disease. I I knew some that existed, rheumatoid arthritis. Mm -hmm. There are over 80 different autoimmune diseases. We're clearly not going to list them all right now. That are currently named. Those are the ones that they have named so far. But here's the most common. Type 1 diabetes. I mentioned rheumatoid arthritis psoriasis, multiple sclerosis, lupus, IBD, similar to IBS, inflammatory bowel disease, Mm -hmm. two subs of that, Crohn's disease Mm -hmm. and ulcerative colitis. Yep. Addison's disease, that's the adrenal glands. Mm -hmm. Graves' disease attacks the thyroid gland in the neck. Hashimoto's thyroiditis is when the hormones in the thyroid's production slows down to deficiency. And, of course, celiac disease. That's the inability to eat foods containing gluten because your autoimmune system attacks the gluten within your digestive tract, mm-hmm. causing inflammation. Mm-hmm. Now, you are asking for some definition of terms and some basic information about the relationship between autoimmune diseases and cancer. Mm-hmm. So, first, it might help to understand how the immune system works. Simply put, the immune system is your body's army. It protects you against things that don't belong within it, like germs and cancer. When the immune system finds a cancer, it sounds the alarm and activates the troops to fight it. Now, there's three possible outcomes with this. The first one is the immune system wins and kills the cancer. You don't even know that the cancer was there. Right. Number two, the immune system tries its best, but the cancer's outgrowing its ability to fight the cancer. So the immune system's not strong enough to win. Yeah. Or the cancer's stronger than the immune system. Right. Yeah. Or the third one, the immune system activates a lot of troops, but things don't go right. Mm -hmm. While trying to fight the cancer, the immune system gets confused and starts attacking your body as well. This is what we call autoimmune disease. Interesting. Now, do autoimmune diseases increase the risk of cancer? They can in many different ways, but right now, we don't exactly know why. Right. But here's a few things we know. Autoimmune diseases cause chronic inflammation, which can stimulate cancer growth. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Inflammation can change the cell's DNA, and this allows the cells to reproduce too quickly and form cancers. Mm-hmm. Inflammation can also increase blood vessel growth, feeding cancers, and certain immune conditions make it harder for the body to clear viruses that cause cancers. An example is HPV, mm-hmm. which, of course, causes cervical cancer. Right. It's not clear now if all autoimmune conditions increase the risk of cancer, but they do know that certain ones do. And these are more rare autoimmune disorders that I didn't list up above. I'm not going to say their names now because I'm just going to butcher them. But autoimmune conditions that cause inflammation in one organ can increase the risk of cancer in that organ. And here's an example, ulcerative colitis Mm -hmm. leading to colorectal cancer. Mm Mm-hmm. The converse question, can cancer increase your risk of developing an autoimmune disease? And the answer is sometimes. When the immune system revs up to fight the cancer, you can get an autoimmune disease as a side effect to the cancer. Well, the thing that I learned from the Center for Cancers in America was that the treatments that they're using for cancer, the treatments that they're using for autoimmune disorders, are also correlating to one causing the other and right. one, you know. I researched, found the exact same thing. This is just a really important ongoing conversation. It's a developing conversation. There's developing research about it. Again, not to knock any of the research that's being developed or created or that we're finding, but to understand as someone that could be dealing with some of these things, that there's still so much research going on about it, that it's still medical practice. We're still learning. Yeah. Science isn't the end of the story. Here's the end. This is what you need to do. This is all we know. It's all we're ever going to know. No, that's not how science works. That's right. literally not science. Science is, this is what we know now. And we are gaining more information daily as different humans encounter different diseases and different things occur with that. The treatment for autoimmune Conditions commonly include immunosuppressants. And these are medications that work by turning off a piece of the immune system, which, of course, shutting down a part of the body's cancer patrol system. Mm -hmm. So there's one reason why having an autoimmune disorder and having it treated with these immunosuppressants just makes you more likely in the sense that your immune system's not working as effectively. Right. So last week I did say, yeah, that this is going to be an ongoing conversation. And I hope that just the conversation alone opens up the idea that there's more to think about, the idea that you have the right as a patient to ask questions and to question their reasoning, physicians' reasoning when they're doing things. Mm -hmm. And keeping an ongoing conversation here at the dinner table is a step in the direction, I believe, to give people the confidence to ask questions and to think about things and to not be afraid to do research and to not be scared to use their gut intuition about things and take some of the history that they've had with their body and really say, okay, we've got to consider all of the things that are occurring within my body, not just one section, which you found a lot of that with your mom in, okay, well, the kidney doctor knows about the kidney and the liver doctor oh, knows yeah. about the liver and the heart doctor knows about the heart. I didn't and the- yell much at people during the entire thing, but when I got really heated one time, my mom was going in and out of the hospital. And every time you go to the hospital, you're going to probably get a new hospitalist. That's the general practitioner over your entire case. Now, her kidney doctor is the same, her heart doctor is the same, and the inclusion later of a liver doctor. Oh, and don't forget 
the lung doctor because mm-hmm. she had to get the pulmiocentesis where they drain in mm-hmm. the congestive heart failure based fluids off of her lungs. Mm-hmm. Those are silos within right. the hospital system. Right. And the hospitalist, it was his or her job to kind of mesh it all together. Mm-hmm. An internist someone might have in their own private kind of does the same thing. But after two or three visits and having a new hospitalist every single time, and then them not even referring to the notes when she was there two or three months ago, where I'm, ha- I'm having to tell them, go to your notes and you can see the history that you're asking me for. Finally, the kidney doctor. And when I, a few episodes ago, talked about my mom's whole thing and got emotional about a doctor, it was the kidney doctor. She became our internist, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. and trying to keep everything cohesive and together. That gives me a little side jaunt thought that we don't necessarily need to go into today, but it makes me think about in the beginning stages when they were trying to convince everybody to get all of their medical records into the computer. That way, anytime you go to the hospital, we know everything that has ever happened to you. We know all the things that are occurring in your system. That's how they sold it. And that sounded good, right? But it doesn't work like that at all. Mm -mm. So all of these ongoing conversations leads me back to the food diet, the autoimmune protocol diet that I'm dealing with now. After seeing the naturopath, the naturopath that I'm seeing is Dr. LaDonna Rocha. I'm hoping to have her come on in a few episodes to talk to us as a subject expert. Love it. She's the one that has given me this information, has been working me to kind of bring all this stuff together. But I'm also self-led, you know, I'm, I'm a strong individual in this understanding mind, body, spirit, integrated medicine, uh, really bringing all of the pieces together, that kind of thing. I was thinking that you and I doing the whole 30 diet as recently as we did together Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is a bit of a blessing Mm -hmm. because that was voluntary. That was just a thing we decided to do. Well, I could feel inflammation. I could see eczema on my skin. I could tell that you were dealing with some things. Like anytime you're dealing with inflammation and skin issues and that you're breathing passages, you're you're stopped up, stuff like that, you need to really look into autoimmune stuff. You need to look into your diet. You need to understand what's going on. If you're having ongoing heartburn, if you're having kind of stomach issues regularly, these are the types of like symptoms. And I would simply say, don't let yourself get to the point of desperation before you take it into your own hands to make some decisions about that. But at the same time, no, I really think that we should start some kind of support group for these things, because I think that it's challenging just to pull all the symptoms together and to hear someone say, oh gosh, you know, all of that stuff coming together sounds like something you might need to look at. And as you begin going through a diet like that, the Whole30 diet, um, the intermittent fasting diets, Mm -hmm. the AIP diets, it's very challenging in our world to learn this stuff and figure it out. And we are what I would call ahead of the curve. And I don't mean that in a superiority, righteous kind of way. I just have been studying it and learning about it for such a long time that I know a little bit more. I've been focused on it for a majority of my life. I feel for someone though, who hasn't done a whole 30 or a sugar fast or a gluten-free that is diagnosed to attempt the AIP diet, because that's going from zero to a hundred. I thought shopping in the town that we live for Whole30 mm-hmm. was difficult. Mm-hmm. What you talked about last week, the foods that you're not allowed to eat, it's a whole other world. Yeah. It's a whole other level. It really is. And I said this last week, you know, all the different things that you're supposed to leave out, you really have to look closely at that list because it's things like all the different types of nightshades. We talked about that. Black pepper. You know, I mean, how easy is it for 
they've done everything else natural and correct, except they also did salt and pepper on something. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're not trying to hurt you. No. That's salt and pepper are the two and, largest user herb spices in the world. Yeah. And pepper is actually good for you. Generally speaking, as long as your body is well and you're dealing well and your, your gut is well, these things are good for you, right? But when your body gets to a point where it's sick and it's fighting autoimmune disorders, it's fighting cancer, it's fighting with something, it's trying to heal itself, we have to look at all of the pieces. And so in this episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about the foods you can include. And it's kind of fun because it's surprising right. sometimes, some of the things that I'm switching over to eating. I'm letting loose a little bit on some of my um, restrictions about meat in that I'm still eating the high-quality meats that are coming from humanely raised, grass-fed, smaller facilities for slaughter and things like that. But in order to get enough meat in my system enough calories enough calories in my system i'm bringing in things like prosciutto but you got to look close at the labels you got to look at every single thing they put in it because so often they put sugar in those things of course they're not putting any nitrates or nitrites in that type of thing but if you look at the list the meat the poultry the fish the shellfish that is an immense list antelope i could eat some antelope i could eat a bear (laughs) <laughs> I can eat, um, let's see, sheep, rabbit, pork, moose, kangaroo, if I needed any of that. Chicken, dove, Would duck. you eat kangaroo if given the opportunity? Of course I would. I would try kangaroo. Of course I would. I've eaten ostrich before. Ethically I- raised and ethically slaughtered kangaroo. Clean eating kangaroo. <laughs> ostrich is on this list. Quail, turkey. And then on the fish list, anchovy, tuna, eel, gar, haddock, Salmon, swordfish, clams, crabs, crawfish, lobster, mussel, octopus. You can eat uh, mahi-mahi, monkfish. You can eat caviar. Now, the gamut with all of that is that they're saying eat clean and wild as often as you can. If it's farm-raised, traditional poultry, beef, that kind of stuff. Sure. You need to eat the stuff that's grass-fed. You need to eat the stuff that is humanely raised right. and um, slaughtered humanely. We were at the grocery store together the other day, and I noticed that at our grocery store, I just hadn't been to the fish market there in so long, they do have designated wild-caught. Yep. And then farm-raised fish, they don't say anything about. Like, if it doesn't say wild-caught, you can guess that it's farm-raised. That's right. Which brings up an interesting topic mm. that has been coming up at the Water Street Oyster Bar when we've been going over there to get oysters. I love to eat oysters. We go and eat a lot of oysters during the winter season. Right. If I look at this list, yep, totally something I can eat. I can eat sushi, same kinds of thing. When we go over to eat at the oyster bar, the last time we went, Joe said, I'm not going to tell the waitress this time why we don't eat the Copano farm-raised. Because it's funny how excited they are about it. How Of course they are. It's our their own Copano farm-raised mm-hmm. oysters. And I'm like, nope. Not eating that stuff. You Just know? real quick, the Copano Bay is a bay that's local to us. Yes. And there was no local oyster production for a long, long time. Some legislation was passed. And now it's kind of cool. But the, the concept of it is cool. They're farm raising oysters in a way that they were not. Mm-hmm. And we love our local stuff. But they're farm raising in a bay that I know has a lot of agricultural runoff because I know exactly where the agricultural runoff comes from. So it means that I know what a filter feeding oyster is eating on what types of stuff is in the water. And in addition to that, it's not, they're not wild, they're farm raised. And so um, anything that's farm raised is off of this list, it's not to be included. 
Now, in addition to that, of course, all the leafy vegetables are available to eat. Your arugula, your turnip greens, your lettuce, broccoli raw, bok choy, spinach, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, carrot tops, all that stuff. We've been eating lots of that good stuff. Carrot top might be available, but I'm not going to go see him do comedy. <laughs> Oh my God. I actually saw him once. I did too. <laughs> that was enough. <laughs> that was enough. It says non-starchy vegetables. This is your artichokes, your asparagus, your broccoli, your capers, cauliflower. I can eat olives. I don't know why I'm obsessed with the fact that I can eat olives, but everywhere I go, I'm like, I can eat olives. It's because they have that on the menu at places. Yeah, like a little appetizer or something. And then when you're looking at the rest of the appetizer menu, you can't eat most of it. The olives, that's good. I can eat olives. Woo! Allium family vegetables. That's your chive, your garlic, your leek, onion, shallot. Those are really good. I love all that stuff. That's the stuff you use to season with anyways. Um, so some delicious sautéed spinach, just gently al dente, wilted sautéed spinach with garlic and onion and salted up. Mm, that's some delicious I did that food. the other night and it came out really well. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. Now, this one is the one that I have had to force myself into, but I'm actually happy about it. And that is the roots. Carrots, beets, anything that falls into the root category, but not nightshades. So sweet potatoes, turnips, radishes, beets, and carrots, and things like that. And if you talk to people who are really health-minded, they eat a lot of beets. I don't know sheet about cooking beets. Sheet? You don't know a sheet? Trying to make a run. (laughs) It's good in my juices. I've been drinking my juices. I've been putting them in my smoothies that I'm making myself every day. I bought myself some, you know, like marinated beets from natural grocers. I'm eating the pickled beets my mom made for me this year. So I'm eating a lot more beets and carrots. You found some awesome fermented carrots that you like a lot. (gasps) Oh, those are so good. And they're what I would call regionally local. They're made in Austin. Started The business started in 2009. They started with the early days of the farmer's market movement in Texas. And they came on the scene with the fermented foods. Now they are in our local natural grocers. It is Barrel Creek Provisions. And the carrots are divine. And then I went ahead and bought another brand of some fermented cabbage, like purple cabbage with some beet and stuff like that. Now I had to go through each one of those and double check that it didn't have any habanero in it or any sugar. kind of like cayenne or something that it didn't have sugar in it. Um, there was some other things in there that I needed to double check, but I did find this one. So I'm eager to taste that to see how that tastes. But I also know that as the carrots and the cabbages and things like that start to come out of the garden here again. We had the freeze kind of knock me back a little bit, but not majorly. I'm really doing quite well this year. Looks gorgeous. I know that I'm going to have some stuff for my mom to ferment for me. And so Wonderful. my mom will do some fermenting for me as well. Sea vegetables. So the hijiki, which is one of the seaweeds I learned about when I was at the poke bowl making class in Hawaii. Right, right, right. And then of course, all different kinds of seaweed. Now the thing with the seaweed, and I have gotten addicted to the like seaweed chip things. Like I'm one of those people that eats a package of the seaweed chips every single day now. Well, then I had to discover that the brands that we were buying at our HEB had a different kind of oil on them that I can't have. And so I found another brand that as long as it's got avocado oil or olive oil in it, then I'm good to go with those. So I'm getting the brand is called gimme. Yes. Um, vegetable like fruits, avocados, zucchinis. I thought for some reason I couldn't eat squash and things like that. So I was glad to go back through this list again and learn that I can eat 
avocado, cucumber, okra, olives, plantains, pumpkin squash, wintermelon, and zucchini. Another person I was talking to recently that's dealing with this autoimmune protocol diet as well, she suggests that we go to the Asian market because the Asian market has some stuff too. I'm always a fan of going to the yeah. Asian market. And she was saying they have really good quality plantains there oh, okay. and that we can make our own plantain How chips. fun. So oh, let's wait, do what? something like Work? that. Right. Uh, okay. <laughs> yes, but I'm going to go over there and check their aisles as well and see what they have available. And I'm really looking forward to talking more about this with you guys because I want to give you ideas of where to find things that are going to be good for I want to well. repeat what you just said. The Asian market has a few more healthier options than the normal grocery store. Well, it's just what are people buying? Fascinating. It's what do people buy? HEB's meeting what people buy, period. But that doesn't mean that there isn't people in this community that need a natural grocers, that need an Asian food market, that need other places that have other things, that need a farmer's market. It's the reason I started the farmer's market. I was speaking largely to the idea that the incidences of cancer in Asian countries is a lot lower. Uh, well, let's go back to the blue zones and the types of things that they're eating in the blue zones We as should well. go to all the blue zones. We should go. That would be so much fun. Berries, fruits in the rosacea family, that would be like apple, apricot, cherry, nectarine. So almost any fruits are still good to go. Melons, of course, citrus, tropical fruits like coconut, dates I got at natural grocers. Not exactly like what I had made myself before, but similar. It's date and coconut ground together into these little like protein nibbles energy balls yeah energy balls but not just that it's just sweet treat like right you know after i eat dinner at night and instead of going in and getting my chocolate i get myself one of these little things and it is working you bring up a point Longtime listeners know that you are a chocoholic mm -hmm. you are a coffee holic cheese chocolate coffee popcorn you guys come on all those are off of the diet <laughs> how are you doing for real i'm fine I'm doing, I feel, I feel really good. I feel like I have more energy. I'm on team get Aislinn well. So come on. You, Savannah and I were watching a chopped like kitchen competition show. And one of the guys was making ganache <gasps> and you were like, Oh, I miss chocolate. That's the thing. Can I exactly. offer you a date and coconut energy ball? Well, and admittedly, you guys, we are going to Louisiana in February mm -hmm. and crawfish are going to be a thing. And there's no way I can tell them Cajuns how to cook their crawfish different than how I, they're going to give it to me. Is this crawfish AIP approved? Um, they're going to be, they're going to the laugh at here. me. <laughs> so I'm going to be very careful, but I am going to, it's going to completely restart my elimination because once you commit to doing that, you have to start your 30-day elimination. Wonder, I wonder. Over. We're going into territory that they do crawfish a different way, many different ways. The crawfish itself, just raw, you know, not raw, <laughs> raw. The raw crawfish that we intend to no, know. The crawfish cooked, mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. That's correct. You're talking about the spices and additives. Yep. Okay. The seasonings. Let's yep. not get too pessimistic. I'm not pessimistic. I'm realistic. And I know how them Cajuns work. Okay. All right. And here's the other deal. I'm going to be careful because it will upset my stomach and I don't want to ruin my vacation, but I knew I am committed to it. I know that I'm going to have to restart the elimination, but that's okay. But there are certain things in life that you have to just, you know, I can give up chocolate. I can give up coffee. I can do some things like that. But I had planned to go to Louisiana in February, and I am not giving up crawfish. I am sorry. It is not happening. Then, of course, mushrooms are good to go. Animal fats. You can actually eat bacon. You can eat some of the different types of hams and things like that, as long as they don't have the nitrates and nitrites or any of the other things that you're not supposed to have in Added them. Added too, yeah. Plant fats like avocado oil, coconut oil, olive oil, palm oil, palm shortening, and red palm oil. 
probiotic foods. That's all our fermented stuff. So fermented fish, kombucha, but get the kombucha without the sugar in it. Um, lacto fermented fruits, kefir, sauerkraut, and then you can use flowering or green herbs. So this is, you know, basil, chamomile, chives, cilantro. So any of my herbs we can use. I can use cinnamon. So I've been drinking black tea with cinnamon in it in the morning. That's my substitution for coffee. And it's been working just fine. Gives me that happy, warm feeling with a little bit of caffeine wake up in the morning. I drink one cup and then we're good to go for the day. Other flavoring type things, anchovies, anchovy paste. You can use cider, cider vinegar. You can use cocoa aminos. You can use uh, fish sauce, fruit and vegetable sauce, organic jams, chutneys, red wine vinegar, truffle oil, also sweeteners that can be used. You can use some sweeteners, coconut sugar, uh, maple sugar is okay, molasses is okay. So it's a, it's a good list. And what I say about it is, is it's good for me. I can do that, right? But mm -hmm. I do know that that's still a challenge for a lot of people. Oh, totally. I'm As the shopper primarily, and you've been going in to different grocery stores around town to get a feel of what's available. Yep. I think you're going recon missions. You'll bring the brands back and then you'll say, Joe, go buy this one for me. Yep. Happy to do it. Thrive has been very helpful for that because Thrive has a thing where you can actually pick the diet you're on. Say you're gluten-free. Say you want only humanely raised. Say you want only vegan. If you're on AIP, they can give you very specific brands right. and things like that that are on AIP. So you got a big use. shipment of Thrive food in. So I've got a few snacks, very things good. I can take on the road trip. So those will fill in some of the road trip snacks and things like that. But you, you know, even found like a beef stick. Yep. Uh huh. They make it with a just the seasonings that they use to make it are just flour herbs. Right. There are there are people in this world. <laughs> that are making things for the 1% of people that need to be on a special diet that are trying not to eat, you know, things that they can't, that are making them sick. So when we first started doing this at home, I was shuffling pieces of paper, foods to avoid, foods that you can have, looking at a recipe is, I can't remember, does this herb, ha I can use it, I can't use it. And we found a fantastic searchable database, aipfoodguide.com. You type in the food, it's red, yellow, green, like a traffic light, stop, red, green, go yellow moderation. That's been really helpful. But let's use two practical recipes as examples of the changes we've had to make. On Mondays, you're trying to whip something together that y'all can snack on, eat on, and then maybe there's leftovers and you can continue eating it. Mm -hmm. Or maybe we make something and we use the leftovers on Monday. So we're doing food prepping for lunch on Sunday, which helps my Monday and helps the rest of the week. You tell me to make chicken salad, no problem. We want to throw some mustard in there. We want to throw some mayonnaise in there. Mm -mm. Can't. Mustard, of course, is derived from a... Seed. Can't use mustard. Mayonnaise has... Egg. So how do you make a creamy, delicious chicken salad without those two things? Mm -hmm. Avocado. And then avocado or olive oil. Lime juice. And then a pinch of salt. You mix those things together, add it to your chopped chicken, and you've got yourself the basics of... A chicken salad that totally passes. It was great. It was fantastic. And then I put some of the cilantro seasoning in it mm -hmm. that I've made. I added some celery. I added some onion. I added some garlic. And then I chopped up some dill pickles. Mm -hmm. It was just like normal. It was perfect. If you listen in next week, we're going to talk about harvesting, skinning, and butchering a wild pig. I had a big, beautiful piece of pork shoulder fresh 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 but like i would literally no not frozen fresh <laughs> right but if i take that cut of that pork and throw it in the instant pot to make pulled pork mm -hmm. 
what am I going to put in there? Brown barbecue sugar, sauce, yeah. maybe some barbecue sauce, or I would create a barbecue sauce from scratch, but it's going to have brown sugar, sugar, you know, can't do that. So I mixed in a bowl, apple cider vinegar, a barbecue sauce ingredient, honey, use in moderation. Now, coconut aminos. Mm-hmm. I thought we had some. You thought we had some. Couldn't find it. I need to go to the store and get coconut aminos. Now, when you Google coconut aminos as to what is it, it is a soy sauce. Substitute. Thank you. So then you guys Googled, what's the AIP version of substitutes for coconut aminos? And I made my own. Fish sauce, balsamic vinegar. Added that in with garlic powder, onion powder, and a little salt. That went into the Instant Pot with this beautiful piece of pork Mm -hmm. shoulder. Mm -hmm. It was really good. It has it. You can tell that the flavor is different than what we normally do, but it's very delicious. So, mm-hmm. what I difference imagine, does it make if it's different? As long as it tastes delicious. I imagine some people that are listening know what coconut aminos are, but I'm just saying that these are easy ways, and you can Google all of it to substitute foods that might be irritating your autoimmune system, mm-hmm. especially if you're dealing with any of those things that we talked about up at the top. Avocado in a chicken salad with a little olive oil or avocado oil, and it makes a delicious creamy salad. Then to that, you can add most of the ingredients you used to use or a pulled pork where I just take these two things out, put these two things in. I got something great. This is not going to be the end of the world. And he's making side dishes of some of the vegetables that have been named. So he's making me more Brussels sprouts. Oh, yeah. Broccoli. Savannah loves broccoli, so that's an easy one. It is. Artichokes, spinach. So we're just Asparagus. having... Asparagus. Yeah. So this has been an ongoing journey, like you said last week, and it's going to continue on. And if you guys have any further questions about any of this, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what you're dealing with. Um, If you're hearing some things that you hadn't really considered before, but you'd like to know more about, please let us know because we're excited to talk about this. And again, I'm excited to bring on LaDonna as a subject expert after we've had a full-fledged conversation about this for a few weeks. Well, hey, while we're in this intellectual vibe... Why don't you kick over a question that we can deep dive into? Did you ever cheat in school? I, I know that I did, but it was never anything that was like a big deal that I ever got in trouble for. You know, like I know I probably looked over at like somebody's um, test or something once. I, I'm sure I wrote some notes on my hand. You know, I know I did some little things like that, but I never did anything like plagiarize a major paper or I wasn't, I wasn't a cheat. That wasn't, I generally followed the basic rules of school. It was the silly rules that I always broke and got in trouble for. I did all that same stuff that you said, mm-hmm. writing stuff on your hand, a yeah. little crib note in your shoe. It never really worked out either. It was like, I mean, it might help a little bit, but it's like, that wouldn't have saved me. Uh, if I was going to fail something, I was going to fail it. You know? Uh, I remember one time in seventh or eighth grade, when did you have Texas history? Was that eighth grade? I didn't I've slept since then. I didn't do my homework. You had to read a book, whatever it yeah, was. You had yeah. to fill out like ten questions. Yeah, on I did that kind of thing. Yeah. And I was like, shit, dude. Yeah. Can I borrow your stuff? Yeah. And I wasn't even reading what I was writing. Right. We got called into the office. Oh, see, I never got in trouble for any of it. And I realized at that point that if you ever cheat that way off of somebody, make sure it's a smart person. Yeah. (laughs) Because what busted us was not that the answers were similar. It's just that they were both so wrong in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I ever did that again. 
No, I, the the reason I would get in trouble wasn't because I cheated. Although I know that I did exactly what you're saying. Although I was smart enough to pick the right person to uh, cheat off of, um, I'm sure that I did that. But um, mostly, I got in trouble for not turning in my work. Like that, I remember that being a thing. It was just like I just I didn't do it. Well, why didn't you do it? No, I don't know. I just didn't do it. Believe it or know? not, I got in trouble for talking a lot in class. Oh God, I got in trouble for talking all the time. And when my folks moved us to a very small rural community where my grandfather was the Hellfire and Brimstone Baptist preacher and that kind of thing, a thousand people in the whole town, 13 people in the graduating class the year that I was in sixth, seventh, eighth grade. He's in recovery now these days. Oh boy. I was really looking forward to that therapist appointment today. (laughs) That smaller town atmosphere was very pro-corporal punishment. Licks. Oh, yeah. I got licks. No, they didn't. I, they didn't whip girls by the nineties. I got licks so often. Boys still often, got whipped, but the girls didn't get. I got so I got licks so often in band that the band teacher began hitting a book with the paddle and said, "You better rub your ass on the way out to the class." Like he was just tired of hitting me. Yeah. I was so not into telling my parents what I did wrong that you would rather take the licks. Than- no, that I well yes, but rather. If I had just said no, we're going to call your parents in. Call my parents and tell them you want to hit me. Mm-hmm. I would have gotten out of, out of it every single time. Mm-hmm. That to me is not a valuable way to punish in school. So I'm glad it's been phased out. It doesn't work. No. It doesn't work at home. It doesn't work at school. It's, it a, hum- doesn't... it's a humiliation tactic. Yeah. Go ahead. It's like hitting your dog. It's like I'm bigger than you and I can hurt you. Good job. How's that working out for us? I'm giving it to you. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you. If you put that on the podcast, (laughs) I'm going to kick your ass. (laughs) 